0: This is episode 104 of the Landscape Photography Show, and just saying that makes me really nostalgic about the podcast and meeting all of you, because 104 means we've been at this for two years now, releasing an episode every single week. Uh, I want to thank you for listening first and foremost, and I want to thank those who have subscribed on Patreon to support the podcast every single month to help the podcast go week after week. On Patreon, if you go to patreon.com slash Johnston, you can sign up for a tier that fits your budget from 5 $10, to $20 a month, and every tier gets you different benefits going up the higher you go in price, the more benefits you get. And every single tier has bonus audio from episodes like this where we're talking with Chris Shin. But before you get to that, I do want to thank another Christopher, Christopher Murphy, who signed up for Patreon and helps the podcast go week after week. Christopher is getting tons of bonus content just for being a Patreon subscriber. So Christopher, thank you so much for supporting the podcast. To the other Christopher in this episode, we're talking with Chris Shin. And Chris and I met on Twitter a few months ago and actually have developed a pretty good friendship. I wanted to bring him on because, you know, he's kind of outside the typical circle of landscape photographers that we think of. And I truly believe this is a mantra that I've been living by for my photography for the past couple months. If we refuse to see how other people see the world outside of landscape photography circles, we are limiting the perspectives that we see in photography. And I don't wanna limit myself for that. So that's why I wanted to bring Chris on to talk about not only his, his journey into photography and his dabbling in landscape photography, but also his film photography work, street photography, and how that all relates. Not only that, but how a career in drumming for pop punk and hardcore bands led him into photography itself. The Landscape Photography Show is a podcast where you can listen to your favorite photographers talk about their journey in photography. It's a place where you can be inspired and also learn how to take better photos. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, everybody? We're here with Christian. Chris is joining us from Seattle today. Uh, I know just made a fresh batch of coffee. What What did you brew just now?
1: I am currently brewing a coffee from Highwire Coffee Roasters. They're based out of Berkeley, California, actually Emeryville to be specific. Um and it's called Conscientious Objector. Okay. And the tasting notes are creamy, substantial, and juicy.
0: <laughs> juicy, okay? okay.
1: <laughs> juicy coffee apparently. I don't taste any of those things in the coffee, but, you know, it's good coffee.
0: Okay. Now what, what guides you and steers you to, to like buy that specific coffee versus just going to your local grocery
1: store? Um, so a while back, a company, an actual company looking for coffee lovers on Instagram reached out to me and offered me like a little ambassador role with their, their platform called Bottomless. And it's like a Wi-Fi wireless scale. And then They have this huge database of coffee roasters that you can select from when your scale registers that your coffee's low. So when it gets to a certain weight, it triggers an order and you can pick from like a whole bunch of different roasters. And um, I've been leaning a lot towards the roasters that I missed from the Bay Area because I moved up to Seattle um, a year ago today, actually. Hmm. And Highwire is one of the shops in the Bay Area that um, my lady friend and I used to go to pretty often especially on the weekends like a saturday morning kind of spot so whenever there's any bay area roasters i recognize on there like sight glass or highway i like to order those but sometimes i run out of coffee and the new order hasn't arrived and i have to make an emergency trip to the store and grab like a bag of stumptown or something
0: <laughs> now you can't taste the juiciness can you taste the nostalgia in the coffee
1: i you know i think for me it's like a there's definitely nostalgia in there. I think it's just like the the ritual of making coffee every morning that mm. I love. And I used to spend like six or seven dollars a morning on coffee at like a hipster coffee shop. You know, like we've all been there getting like an oat milk latte and they're like, that'll be seven fifty, and you're like, huh? <laughs> but <laughs> but you still like swipe your card like a zombie. You're like, Yes, take my money. Um, give me that glass of milk with a little bit of coffee in it. <laughs> um but You know, we bought a house and it was always like such an idyllic dream of mine to just like have that morning ritual to wake up and like have the house smell like coffee and just make coffee and then start my day. So that's kind of like I really embrace it. And it's a huge part of my morning. So I usually don't schedule like Twitter spaces or anything before I've made coffee because I'm kind of a kind of a zombie and kind of um, not with it unless I've had it. Um, And it's also just part of the routine.
0: It's pretty smart not to schedule anything before that. Oh, um, I've had a
1: couple. They're rough.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you get us all on the same page into how you actually got started in photography and, and where your journey through creating, through photographs kind of began?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, in middle school, at some point, my parents bought like the the latest and greatest kind of like point and shoot like digital camera that Canon was making not a DSLR by any means, but just one of those cameras you'd bring on vacation and plug into like a USB drive and upload to your computer. But um, it was like a Canon Powershot, And for whatever reason, I don't know what it is. I've, I've always been a creative person and played music a huge chunk of my life. Um, used to draw a lot as a kid. Um, so I think I've always leaned towards things that had a creative element to it. And I picked up that camera and just got re- I still remember some of the photos just being like really close up, like macro shots of like roses in the garden or something, just messing around. And then that camera stayed in the family. It probably still is. I'm sure my mom has it somewhere, but um, I just used to bring it on like family trips and just like shoot random pictures of people and certain things and tried to have like edgy compositions with things like, you know, in the, in the bottom left corner, just like, just try different things, um, kind of without any formal photography knowledge at all. Um, and then that kind of fell by the wayside. Um, in high school, I ended up taking a photo class that kind of dabbled on, like, I think digital for like half the semester and then analog on the other half. So we had to make like pinhole cameras out of cardboard boxes, um, develop, you know, film in the dark room from like start to finish, which was super fun. And then also kind of like learned how to dabble around and do like very basic things in Photoshop. Um, And then after high school, I pursued music for a while and then got to a point when I ended up taking a social media and marketing role for someone in the Bay Area that had a handful of small businesses that needed social media content and um, just someone to kind of run things and build their following and that ended up being me started shooting a lot of photos for those companies and realized really quickly that I did have like the, my favorite part of that job was being able to go out and shoot, whether it be like food shots, like coffee shop stuff, um, the staff at the restaurants, like it just became really fun getting to be, be like behind the camera, like making these connections with the people that worked at the different restaurants, like capturing moments and then coming back, editing them and kind of like learning how to shoot again, because it's kind of my first experience with the DSLR. It was like a Rebel T, I want to say a Canon Rebel T3i. So it was like a crop sensor. I think it had a stock lens on it or like a kit lens, but it was a great learning experience. Um, Ended up like really hating that job and then uh, ended up quitting and going back to school. But when I did, I sold my drums and bought myself um, a camera and some lenses which we all know are quite pricey um, and started shooting for myself kind of like going out to like Yosemite and taking trips up like the California coast and just kind of learning how to shoot again. Um, and then ended up buying a Canon EOS R mirrorless system and all the RF lenses that come with that which are even more expensive. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and then uh, I got really into like podcasts actually that featured photographers um, and kind of learning about like their origin stories and and how they went about kind of finding like their vision for their photography and one of them that really stuck out to me was Chris Burkhardt and we connected on on Instagram at one point and then I ended up going down to his gallery in Pismo Beach California met him hung out for a little bit he ended up like, reviewing my portfolio a couple weeks later on his Instagram Live, which was a huge deal for me because I was just, you know, a little nobody on Instagram, and he had, like, a couple million followers, so it's just super nerve-wracking and obviously have, like, the world of respect for him. So to have him reviewing my landscape work was, like, terrifying but exciting at the same time. Um, but I learned a lot from him and kind of carried that moving forward with photography, and that's kind of where I'm at today. <laughs> it's my my little, um, long winded answer.
0: That, that journey from quitting that job and then investing in some, you know, newer or, or better camera equipment and kind of relearning how to shoot. Would you say that that was kind of a reinvention of yourself as a photographer?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, I spent a lot of time on YouTube, just like, seeing like vlogs that photographers would film when they were out shooting for, for work or see like these short films that, like Chris Burkhardt did for like some of his films and just like I love traveling but then having a camera to bring along on these trips and come back with memories and then almost flipping that and going places for photography just opened up this whole new world like growing up I wanted to tour the world playing music like my dream would be to play like a festival across the world to like thousands of people that like loved the music I was making. And as that dream kind of started to slip away, I realized like photography could almost be that same thing where it's like, if I take my camera places and take photos, I have this additional purpose to taking this trip. And it gave me something to be excited about as a creator. So I do think it definitely like it was a hard transition to kind of take a step back from, being a drummer, because that's how I identified myself from basically like fifth grade through being, sorry, I got a phone call. Excuse Do you want
0: to just answer live and we can just listen in on the conversation? <laughs>
1: no, it's my mom. Let me text her. Okay. Um, so identifying as a drummer my whole life, basically from like middle school through being like, I would say like 27, you know, good, a good chunk of my formative years um it was a really difficult transition but I feel like photography made it a lot easier because I was able to kind of like pivot my passion and really like take all the energy I spent on becoming a drummer and being a better drummer and gear and learning all these new things to then pivoting to photography and doing the exact same thing like how do I get better how do I shoot these kind of images like what do I need what am I doing wrong um and like you know well like Photography is a rabbit hole. Like, it's one of the reasons I haven't dabbled in videography is because I know that's another rabbit hole. And I just don't have the mental (laughs) bandwidth to go down another rabbit hole. But, um, you know, it was definitely helpful in transitioning out of being identifying as a musician 100%.
0: I've had several people on who, you know, either used to play a lot of music. Uh, a lot of people were, were guitarists. I've never had a drummer on before, but guys like, I mean, Alex Noriega, uh, Jordan Ingley, um, several other people, Kai Hornung, um, what do you think the link is between creating music and creating images? that's a great question.
1: I don't know. It's like, the weirdest thing happens, like when you're, at least when I was writing music, I was in like, pop punk bands and like hardcore bands. And something weird happens when you're writing music, where as a drummer, you're you're just trying to write parts that work for whatever, like the guitarists are writing. Um, And that's, that's something that I took from like, Ringo Starr is that people are being like, Ringo sucks. But Ringo played, the bright parts for the Beatles. He wasn't trying to be flashy. He wasn't trying to like be the star of the show, but he wrote the right parts. And I always kind of took that to heart. Um, But I do feel like whenever, you know, songs are being written, there's almost like a blackout where you like don't remember writing the song, even though it takes so much work. And then before you know it, the song's done and you're like playing shows or recording the songs. And it's crazy to think back. But whereas like photography, I feel like it's the opposite of that where you're so in the moment and it's something I focus on is just trying to make sure that like, if you're in this beautiful landscape, taking photos, like take time to put the camera down and just like soak it in on like a human experience instead of just a photographer's experience. Because, you know, we're looking for compositions, we're looking for conditions, we're looking for anything unique that might happen in frame, but it's also important just to realize that like you're in a beautiful place and you should soak it in because, like, you don't know when you're going to come back here, you know, if you're going to get to come back here. Um, so to answer your question, like how it ties in with creating an image and creating music, I think it's just like a, I want to say it's just like a flow state in a way. It's kind of hard to like put your finger on, but it just kind of happens. <laughs> it's it's kind of wild.
0: What were the bands you were in?
1: Gosh, um, <laughs> I could name all of them. Yeah. Um, there was one, but my first band was in the, towards the end of middle school, we played the middle school talent show,
0: we yes. played a Newfound Glory
1: cover. Um, we played Head on Collision mm-hmm. and our singer was, um, bless him, very tone deaf. And that's kind of the reputation we got. Um, But we played a lot of Blink covers, Newfound Glory covers, wrote some of our own stuff that just sounded like Blink and Newfound. They were called, um, I think we were called Nothing to Lose to begin with. And then we were called Between the Lines. Um, And then I played another band called One Dollar Riot, which had a bunch of different influences, like punk, but also like Zeppelin. So our guitarist was heavy into Zeppelin and the Beatles. And then our bassist was into like crazy stuff like the Blood Brothers and like Mr. Bungle. And then there was me who just wanted to like hit everything as hard as I could. Um, and then I got into like some hardcore bands. Um, one was called at the helm. Another one was called Vitaform played drums on a couple, played a couple shows with the story so far when they were like still in high school and doing like weekend tours, um, which is crazy to look at kind of going back in time where they've gotten now. Um, and then filled in for a band called this time next year on warp tour for a couple weeks. And, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think, and then that's it. Yeah, but it was a lot. I mean, oh, there's also a band called The Great Work. <laughs> Forgot about them. We sounded like Circus Survive, like to a T. It was just a Circus Survive mm-hmm. band. Um, but yeah, man, I spent like, gosh, a solid, solid chunk of my life just playing in bands, and it was super fun. Like playing shows, it's it never gets old.
0: What do you have connection-wise? I mean, we've talking about music, uh, your your background in photography. Connection-wise to like your camera equipment. I know we've talked briefly about that.
1: Yeah. Um, gosh, I'm in a weird, it's a great time for you to ask that because I'm kind of in a in a weird, potentially transitional position where I'm like, I'm <laughs> pretty like spontaneous. Um, I've been considering selling off all of my mirrorless stuff and leaning 100% into film, which could be crazy because like, There are definitely situations where I depend on the mirrorless setup, like family photo gigs and stuff like that. But at the same time, I do like the challenge of potentially not having that option. Um, And I've, you know, definitely have my eyes on some cameras that are not cheap, that are nice film cameras. So, you know, almost kind of seems like it's always uh, like rolling gear into something else. So I feel like I'm almost in that position where I'm, I'm okay with potentially cutting ties with the the mirrorless stuff to then get my hands on like a really another special like film camera. But um, that being said, like some of my most important experiences as a, as a photographer were with this camera. So I feel like there's definitely some like undiscovered sentimental <laughs> value that I have attached to it that. Unfortunately, I probably wouldn't truly feel until I was like handing it over to someone else <laughs> to buy. Um, but I don't know, like uh, gear for me has always been like something that excites me and kind of reinvigorates me if I'm in kind of like a rut as well. Like, you know, if you've never shot with like a 15 to 35 ever, and then all of a sudden you add that lens to your kit, all of a sudden you have this ability to take like these crazy wide shots um, with like a super tack sharp lens. And it's it just opens up this whole new world. And it's really exciting. Um And that's always been my problem with with drums and photography. It's like new gear just like gets you really perked up and excited. <laughs> but it's also like extremely expensive. So it's one of those. um It's a blessing and a curse, I guess you could say.
0: I think, too, I've had a lot of uh creative invigoration when limiting myself on on what i bring with me or what i take uh often just taking one's lens into a situation um into a forest just try to see things a little bit differently and and limit myself to force my eyes to see a a familiar place in a unique way if that makes sense
1: yeah i feel that 100 percent. i um I think you've probably heard me talk a little bit about this in spaces, but um, the trip I took to Bali in Japan, um, I only brought, and this wasn't necessarily like a challenge, but it it posed one that I maybe didn't see up front, but um, I had like a battery grip. I had a a bigger lens set up and a kit, but for that trip, I just wanted to bring like a prime, like short little, like 35 millimeter, like F 1.8 lens that, Canon made for their RF mounting system. And it ended up being like a really nice compact setup for traveling, which is great because I didn't want to have like this massive camera with a grip and the 70 to 200 lens on it and just like breaking my neck the whole trip. Um, and it was great. Like the whole trip was shot through like a 35 millimeter lens, which I believe is like the closest, uh, representation of what like the human eye actually sees i think from a focal length and a camera don't quote me on that I, I might be wrong but I think I read that um but it's great because I was able to come back from this trip with all these pictures that were literally just snapshots of of what I saw like there wasn't any ability to like zoom across an intersection and capture a scene that i couldn't see from where i was or that, that i wasn't completely a part of um and it was really cool to kind of come back and have these pictures i was proud of and kind of have this proof that like i could go run out with a 35 millimeter lens and come back with photos that i'm that i'm thrilled to have and that i don't feel like man if i would have had this wide angle lens or this telephoto like it could have been so much better um so it was definitely a an inadvertent challenge but i do think it was a lot of fun and it's something i do now um when i go out and shoot especially with film i just i have what i have you know i don't run out there with a bag full of lenses i have the camera bodies i have and the lenses that are on them and it's either a 80 millimeter or a 30 or a 50 millimeter on the Canon. So it's been a good challenge.
0: Well, compare and contrast for me, your experience and and maybe even your creative vision when you're using film versus digital.
1: Yeah. It's, it's so different. Like, you know, we know that with like an SD card with, you know, a bunch of storage on it and a high burst rate, you can come out and like, spray and pray certain things and just hope that like, okay, I just blasted off this, this burst of photos. Like hopefully one of them was in focus and you get to come home and sort through, you know, potentially like a hundred different frames from a moment that lasted a couple seconds. Whereas with film, and this has been something that's been great for me to kind of like learn this sense of patience with photography and really pay attention to composition and, um, the first roll of film I got back that got developed, like my finger was in like the bottom corner of every mm-hmm. shot because of focusing manually. I just wasn't being paying close enough attention to making sure that little things like that weren't happening. Um, so it was definitely humbling, but it slowed me down and it's kind of makes you think because you have 30, you know, 36 shots on a roll and you only have a couple rolls on you and you're going to be out for the whole day you're going to think twice. Like, is this shot worth shooting the shot? And am I metering the light correctly? Do I have the right shutter speed? Like, is this the focal, like the, is this the aperture I want on this shot? And it makes you really think through those things before you even get to the last choice you have to make to, to fire off that shot or not. And I think that experience versus... Being able to shoot on a on a um, like a mirrorless setup and see your shot right away on on the screen on the back and know if you got what you wanted or if you need to adjust focus or change up some of your settings, it's such a contrast. Um, and I think they both play into each other really well. And it's something that might be one of the main reasons. Like if I don't sell my mirrorless setup, it would be just the fact that like each one of them makes you appreciate the other so much.
0: Locally too like we just compared and contrasted those creative visions what about you know you describe your trip to bali and, and how great it was to be to be to be a part of those experiences and a part of the things that you saw back home in seattle though i mean where you do a good amount of work with your camera what's it like in that experience is it similar
1: yeah so having only lived here a year i still feel like I'm exploring the state of Washington, which has been super fun because, you know, I've had family up here for a while and we do like little trips, but wouldn't really have the time to go like cruise out to the Cascades or cruise out to like Olympic National Park or go up Mount Rainier because they're not all very close to Seattle proper. You know, it's it's a day trip at least. And if you're going to go hiking out in the mountains, like you're obviously going to need way more time than that. So having lived here now, it's been really fun to kind of explore a new place with my cameras and see things for the first time and you know, seeing things that you've seen in pictures before, but you're now experiencing in real life and trying to come back with like your own version of some of compositions you may have seen before, just trying to, I don't know, just capture the excitement. It's something that we did this summer um, My girlfriend gets a week off every summer through her company. They have a a required, like mandatory week off in the summertime. And we actually were like, Where should we go? Like what should we do? Should we go down to Portland and like make a like a, a trip out of it? Or what should we do? And I was like, Well, why don't we take that day or that week and just make a bunch of day trips around Washington and see like different parts of the state that we haven't seen yet because, you know, with COVID, we've been pretty cooped up. And it was such a fun week, you know, being able to be like pretty fresh into film. Like I went to the lab and like bought a bunch of film, like brought my cameras, like loaded everything up. And I was like, I'm going to take pictures of this entire week. We're going to have these memories. Like we went and stayed at a beach house in like Southern Washington on the coast, like went up to the Cascades, Mount Rainier. Um, It was super fun. And I think like living in California for 31 years, there's still things I didn't see in that state. As a photographer, you know, like uh, luckily I made it out to like the Eastern Sierras and Yosemite and Death Valley and Sequoia and all these different places that in the coast that people always talk about. But you know, the state's so big. There's definitely things I didn't see, but it's fun now being in a situation where I'm in a new place for the first time and having a camera to kind of bring along and kind of chronicle these moments of seeing new places for the first time. Um, so it's been it's been really nice.
0: What have you learned about yourself through learning film?
1: Gosh, patience. Um, I've learned that it's really easy to make like a, a mirrorless or a DSLR camera do what you want it to versus a film camera. Like you really have to just set things up 100% manually unless they have auto modes. Um, Are you an impatient person? I'd like to say no, <laughs> but I think there's definitely there's definitely parts of me that are impatient. Um, I don't think impatience was ever really an issue for me with photography per se. Um, I'm more of like impatient at like people that like don't know how to drive or like <laughs> don't know how an intersection works or how a roundabout works or something along those like more human elements, um, like everyday life. But. Um, with photography, it's, it's, film has definitely taught me to just pay more attention, you know, like just really think like, am I, is this shot worth taking? Am I going to be like stoked to see the scan when it comes back? Or is this just like a, a wasted frame? Um, which has been good for me because it just, it kind of slows you down, you know? And if you're like a street photographer, obviously like you're running and gunning, you're trying to like capture these moments that are passing you by, by at like a high speed. But, um, I don't know, I kind of just like the to slow down and just try and think think twice before I I shoot off a shot with the the film stuff, but patience I think is at the core of it and then it's just also just taught me a lot as a photographer. Like I didn't shoot manually with a DSLR very often, but with film you're almost always in one way or another primarily in like a manual mode. Um, always manually focusing, like metering light. There's just all sorts of things that you have to consider. Um, and it's fun, you know, it's like, it feels very like pure, which I, I love. It just feels like genuine, raw, pure photography, um, which has been really cool. Has it
0: introduced you to the skill of, of observance? I mean... And myself specifically, like after becoming a serious photographer, I'll just like sit and stare at stuff. And my wife yeah. is like, what are you doing?
1: <laughs> what are you looking at? Yeah, <laughs> yeah especially like um, like the Byway of Water stuff, which is like the only collection I've, I've released that's um, 100% film. It's all taken on the ferry boats here, which is just, it's a form of public transportation. If you're trying to get from like Seattle up to like Bainbridge Island or the San Juans or um, just like all the different islands that are in the sound out here, it's a means of transportation. Instead of driving for hours, you can just hop on a ferry and shooting that stuff has really, really taught me to be observant and just like maybe find a seat or a bench and just sit there and kind of wait for moments to present themselves, and also to like, wander around the boat while you're in transit and try and find moments, you know, kind of like a, like seeking out observations is kind of a different thing too. Whereas, you know, as landscape photographers, we just find, we try and find beautiful places and beautiful conditions and beautiful compositions. And Like the mountain's not going anywhere, right? (laughs) Like you don't have to be fast when you're like shooting a mountain or -hmm. shooting a coastline. But if someone's walking by you and, you know, they're wearing something crazy, like a crazy hat, or it's just like a a touching moment or something, you don't know when these people are going to just like take a hard left and turn around or walk the other way or notice you with your camera. So you kind of have to become like a fly on the wall observer because – like, you know, people see you have camera pointed at them. Most of the time they get a little like sketched out. <laughs> um, so that's been something that I've had to learn is just to be like a better observer and kind of just go try and go unnoticed, um, try and be quick with my shots, especially involving like candid shots of people. Um, but it's been really fun. Like it's a completely different thing for me. And it's, it's, kind of like a, this little rush, you know, like you're trying to take a picture of someone and if they catch you, like it might create like a weird situation. So it's always like this really like tense potential situation going on. So, um, little suspenseful, but it's fun, man.
0: So you're new to like being a creeper too.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess you can say so.
0: I think what's interesting about you though, is, is what I find other photographers, um, Conscious about, I, I think I'll will put it that way. It is not wanting to jump genres, but to want to perfect a certain genre. And and I find interesting about your work as I look at your website, uh, other places where your work is featured. You have landscapes, street photography, travel photography. You know some adventure vibes in there as well. Would you consider yourself? brave in the sense that you are producing so many types of genres of photography and putting it under one brand is is your name
1: i've never really thought of it as something brave i just thought of it as something that like you know being me and having my name on my brand i can kind of do whatever i want with it um and i think it's something that we've all kind of seen with like the nft space particularly it's it's kind of um, kind of validated that, you know, it's like you, you're seeing more and more photographers that may have come up shooting a certain thing that are also like really talented at something else. But because their Instagram following was a hundred thousand people for certain types of photos, it would almost feel like self-sabotage to them be like, but look at the Sixth street photo I took too. Like I know it's not like this long exposure nature shot or this like crazy time-lapse, but like, look at the shot I took of this person when I was in the city, people would be like, what is this? Like, I'm not following you for this. Um, And I think for me, it's kind of more of like a reflection of just my growth as a photographer, I guess. Like I like to shoot different things. Like I I shoot family portraits, I shoot landscapes, I shoot street, Um, starting to dabble in film more like, I guess I just want to like diversify myself to just kind of, you know, figure out what I truly love in photography, right? Like sometimes you don't always feel like shooting landscape stuff and it's fun to just go run around like downtown Seattle with a camera and, you know, see, just see what you might come across that day. Or you might feel like driving up to the mountains and shooting a sunset because, you know, maybe life's chaotic, and you just want to like take a drive for a couple hours and get somewhere beautiful and just soak in like the serenity of this place. So, I think for myself, it kind of it's kind of just been like whatever, like caters to where wherever I'm at in life. And I think uh, landscape photography was nice for me having going through a transition from living a life as a musician to having to kind of hand over that dream and chase another passion. I think landscape kind of gave me a lot of space to like be with myself, be with my thoughts, kind of have like some peace and be inspired by something different, you know? Like instead of being inspired by traveling the world, playing music for people to be inspired by like the sun coming up on a mountain range after like a crazy snowstorm in the Eastern Sierras. So it's, uh, yeah, it's been, you know, my portfolio is pretty wide, but I'm proud of it.
0: Well, those experiences are very different, like banging on drums and creating Mm -hmm. a lot of noise versus like going and watching a sun rise with birds tweeting and, you know, (laughs) chill water. And how do other photographers inspire you?
1: Gosh, I mean, I have imposter syndrome, like 100%. Why? (laughs) Just because like there's, you're always going to come across people that are doing things that through your, through your view are better than what you're doing. And like, the craziest thing with NFTs has been like collections. Like you see someone selling a photo for like 0.25 ETH and then you see someone else that you consider like way above you as a photographer selling their work for the same price. Like you feel like, are they pricing themselves too low? Am I pricing myself too high? And you almost have like this you're exposed now to so many different talented photographers and like, especially hosting spaces as frequently as I do, like I'm immersing myself in these different collections and just looking at these big bodies of work. And I'm just like, man, these are like, some of the stuff's like absolutely insane. And it's stuff that like I haven't like astro photography, for example, like I have not gone down that rabbit hole at all. So whenever I see, any astro work I'm just like this is sick like this is so crazy you know (laughs) like the fact that this is what you do you go out and shoot in the middle of the night you like know where the stars are going to line up you like do all this research about like everything in the sky and and you you hunt out these compositions you're going to come back to in the middle of the night for the shot when the conditions are perfect like that to me is so far from me running around Tokyo like shooting off like street <laughs> photography you know <laughs> and it's like but to someone else to that same person they might be like well I've never done anything in street photography like I could never put myself like next to a stranger and shoot a photo of them without their consent or them knowing that I'm doing it and then walk away like I don't have that you know courage for lack of a better word and it's something that I'm still learning um you know about street is just having that bravery to really like get in there in the nitty gritty and snap some photos because it's much easier to stand on the sidelines and shoot stuff from like a true third person perspective, but to like get in there with like a 35 millimeter lens and put yourself in the scene to take a photo is something that I'm still every day getting more and more comfortable with. Um, what, <clears throat> what was your question again? <laughs> I feel like I've verged so far from it.
0: How did, how did the other photographers that you're seeing, like, inspire you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm inspired by everyone's photography that I see in one shape or another. Like, it's just, and even, like, so, someone can shoot the exact same thing that I've shot, especially with, like, Yosemite. Like, people take a lot of the same shots, and it's just, I don't know. I feel like you always take something from it, and it, and it inspires you, and it kind of, like, Every time I go out and shoot, I feel like I go out to shoot with like a few new like inspirational like tools in my back pocket where I'm like, oh, I really liked how this person shot this. You know, I kind of want to like maybe try something new and, and shoot maybe a little lower or try and find like a different vantage point or try like a different focal length or a different aperture and like just mess around with new things. And I think that's been the biggest inspiration I've been able to pull from hosting spaces and, and showcasing people's collections of work is you just like immerse yourself in these different things and you're able to walk away with some stuff that you want to try and apply to yourself as a shooter and you know just constantly growing and adding to that like Pinterest board in your brain where you're like I liked how they did this I also like how they did this like I'm going to try some different things when I shoot and see if it like works with kind of like the vision that I have so Um, Just seeing more and more people sharing their work and and selling their work and being proud of their work is super inspiring, especially after like, you know, photography has been so heavily based on like client gigs and Instagram likes and to kind of see people reining in like their own freedom and and power to kind of control their own work and set a price for themselves and promote themselves the way that there are now has been really inspiring and really empowering
0: we well, have mentioned Instagram followings a couple times and it, it kind of cued this question in my mind. Do you think right now we're, we're moving more from an age of creating for others versus creating for ourselves?
1: That's tough. I, I, it's, I feel like at the end of the day, like it's important to create for ourselves. And I, I know that, you know, I haven't been a photographer that's ever had like major client work for for major brands or anything like that. like you know there's definitely some of them in the Instagram scene and now in the like the, the Twitter nFT world. but you kind of get a sense that those photographers are excited to not have to do that client work anymore and be able to just sell the work they want to make. So I think it'd be great. If that's the direction we're heading because at the end of the day like it's not fun creating stuff that you don't feel inspired by like it's it kind of goes back to like the music stuff like pop stars like i'm sure it's great performing in arenas and making millions of dollars but how many of them are writing the music they actually want to write versus writing the music that their labels are telling them to write or that the producer says gonna, gonna be the next big hit you know in four four two and a half minutes long, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, like as a photographer, I don't want to be shooting stuff that I'm not excited about. Mm. So if we're going in the direction where people can create for themselves and create work that they love and then get rewarded for that, I think that's like, that's the best case scenario. So like, I hope that's the direction we're heading in.
0: What does that reward look like?
1: I think it's freedom to be honest. Like yeah. if if you're able to, you know, right now, a lot of us are, are selling our work as NFTs and seeing, you know, sales that we've, most of us have never seen before, whether it be print sales, client work, like and the support has opened up this feeling of just being kind of free to do what you want to do and kind of do it at whatever pace you want. And it's, the control is in your hands, you know, like if you want to promote your work and just really put like your, your pedal to the metal to try and like get your voice out there and get your work seen. That's all within your control. Um, and I think that's really important. Whereas we're getting farther and farther away from like having, getting paid an exposure, for example. Like someone being like, oh, like if you shoot for us, we'll feature you on our page and you'll get so many likes. And it's like, that's not, that's not freedom. Being able to do what you want Control the pace you sell at. Control what you shoot and what you want to put out there, I think is is the reward for me.
0: I have to always be fair to the other side. Asking you how other photographers inspire you, if we turn that, how do you view yourself as an inspiration to other photographers?
1: I mean, I hope that just like... I mean, you know that I try and uplift others, um, especially in the NFT space with spaces. And I hope that that's inspiring to other people because in the past, there has been a tendency to like cut others down because there's a fear that someone else's success means that they're taking success from you. And I think it's important at the end of the day. Like, I just like helping people, and I hope that inspires you know, other photographers, other people to do the same, because I just feel like you can't go wrong doing good for others if they deserve it, you know, like just kind of putting yourself out there. And I don't know, I hope that's an inspiration, but as far as like my work, like, I know that I've talked to a few people that have been like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm like, after seeing your stuff, like I'm kind of considering like getting a film camera. I'm like, that's great because like, I, I, I just started shooting film like this year. Mm -hmm. So like I'm by no means like a lifer when it comes to film photography. I'm not like an OG, like some of the people that are in the photography space already, but hearing someone say like, you know, I've been shooting digital my whole life, but I'm like considering getting a film camera because like, I love your work and I love like the vibe of film. That's cool because like, I never like set out to be That, like, catalyst for someone switching up their shooting styles. Um, So that's cool. Like, if I'm able to open up another creative door for someone and then they end up flourishing in that field, that would be great. I'd be thrilled.
0: What's your personality type? (laughs)
1: Like, type A or type B?
0: You could do that or, like... (laughs) You could go down the road here of like a test that you've taken, and oh,
1: we'll gosh. like
0: we'll eliminate like the uh BuzzFeed, <laughs> which Harry Potter character are you?
1: <laughs> uh, or we could go down that road. I love Harry Pers- Potter personality type. <sighs> I think for let the most, l- let me ask
0: Let's- you, let me ask it this way How, okay. how do you sure. think your, your friends would describe you?
1: Um, I would say like pretty pretty bright. Um, I like to try and make people laugh, you know, like I, I'm, I'm pretty goofy, pretty unfiltered, which I think is a trait that I've kind of been passed down from my mom's dad, my grandpa on her side. He's just very loose lipped, like says whatever he's on his mind for, for better or worse. And I think I, I could tend to be the same way. Um, but for the most part, man, like I'm, I'm pretty outgoing, pretty easy to, to deal with. I definitely have opinions. Um, I'm not afraid to share them a lot of the time. But you know, it's kind of like a. Uh, for the most part, I'd say I'm pretty easygoing. I think my friends would say like, you know, he's kind of just down, down, down to do whatever. Not really. I'm. Uh, I mentioned it earlier. I'm pretty spontaneous. Like I'm, I'm someone that like when I go on a day trip, it's just like. I don't know where we're going, I don't know where we're eating. I don't know where there's gonna be a gas station, like, but I'm just gonna roll with it. I don't really care. Like <laughs> if we end up finding like a random sketchy burger place in the middle of nowhere, like I'm fine eating there. I don't need to look it up on Yelp and figure out what the best rated place is in the place that we're going. Let's just go and do whatever and just have like a fun time. So um up to this point that hasn't gotten me in a ton of trouble, but I'm sure I'll run out of gas somewhere with no food someday and probably go back to that approach on life. <laughs> we'll see.
0: But which Harry Potter character are you? Like, seriously?
1: Dude, I would love to be Hagrid. Let's be real.
0: Oh, my gosh. Out of left field, but also an amazing answer.
1: Yeah, because Hagrid is friendly. He's of the people. But he's also very, he'll push back when he has to. And I feel like he, that's a little bit how I am.
0: He gets to do his own thing, too. Like he <laughs> yeah, he's got his little reign. hut. Yeah. yeah. He can kind of just, like, go wherever, bring in... Like whatever beast he finds, and, yes, and they're cool with it.
1: Exactly, and that's kind of like my, my portfolio portfolio photography. I just bring in whatever whatever beast I can find and, and roll with it. So I think we should all we should all strive to be Hagrid.
0: <laughs> and where can people go to find more out about you?
1: Gosh, right now probably Twitter.
0: <laughs> probably, yeah,
1: yeah. I think Twitter is the best spot. Um, I post some film work on Instagram, not that often, um, but I'm on Twitter more than i should be um so i would say like twitter it's my username's at christopher shin with a k um yeah twitter's the best spot and then i think there's like a link fire link on there that goes everywhere else so it's a good landing point
0: well he's Chris christian christopher when he's in trouble thank you so much for joining us <laughs>
1: of course thank you
0: So the podcast just ended here, but if you go to patreon.com slash David Johnston, you can sign up for a tier for patreon that's going to get you access to bonus audio material that chris and i talk about not only that you can access several other of the previous bonus audio content from other interviews that i've done with some of the best photographers all over the world if you go to patreon.com slash david johnston tiers of five, ten, and 20 dollars to fit everyone's budget and every single one of those tiers has access to that bonus audio and as you go up in price you get other benefits Benefits for that as well in the bonus material today Chris and I talk more about his film photography work and how he sees the world as a photographer and as a creative and I really love Chris's perspective on all of this because it's really taught me not to limit myself as a photographer and that's opened my eyes to so many more opportunities especially moving forward in my photography. And I hope it's done the same for you. Remember, if you wanna be a Patreon subscriber, go to patreon.com slash David Johnston and sign up for a tier that fits your budget. I can't wait to see you guys in the next episode.